Hey everybody, you're listening to What's Your Number? The chronicles of two well-traveled women as told through sexual experiences. I'm Olivia and I'm in Barcelona. And I'm Mariah recording from Boston. This is the podcast where we tell each other the story of every person we've ever slept with, starting with number one. Hey everyone, welcome back to What's Your Number. As promised, today we have some fresh content. Finally, after a couple reruns, thanks for sticking with us. Um, Now, I did promise you fresh content. I did not promise you fresh content with Mariah. And unfortunately, she's moving this weekend and is out of commission. So you're stuck with me, Olivia, recording, as always, from beautiful Barcelona. So... I'm not going to tell a story from my past, but I am going to instead share some current thoughts that have been rolling around in my head about dating, relationships, consumerism, and most of all, settling. Is it a real concern or not? This is what they call a solo episode. It's fun. It's fast. It's all mine. Okay, here we go. So, this kind, this question about settling has been on my mind for a while, so I'm going to try and synthesize it as best I can. I think a good jumping off point would be um, talking about an article that a friend of mine shared with me recently. The title is Monogamy is Cool, Actually, and the subtitle is Call Me a Trad Wife, But Polyamory Ain't Praxis. <clears throat> Polyamory Ain't Praxis. Uh, yeah, it's a good article by someone named Chal Ravens from Navarra Media. I'll link to it in the show notes. Although I'm not actually going to talk about the implications for ethical non-monogamy. If you are interested in some poly content, um, I'd recommend that you go back and listen to the episode we did with Sarah Stroh a few weeks ago. It was a really good interview. Sarah is awesome. She has more interesting things to say about polyamory than I do. Um, What the article argues, though, is that polyamory is kind of a form of consumerism, whereas monogamy in the contemporary form that it's in, in the sense that it's not, you know, obligatory monogamy, but something that can be chosen, um, is potentially more about coalition building and sacrifice and that's what makes it more radical um the friend who shared the article with me actually is polly and we were talking about it we agreed that really the insight about the article um isn't really about the number of partners you have but rather your commitment to them And so the article talks about how monogamy has historically been a demand made exclusively on women to fit with various economic models, most recently Fordism. And the author writes that when the era of picket fence Fordism was swept away by flexible production, the rise of global finance and the destruction of the unions, the monogamous nuclear family came under pressure. 
As women acquired new reproductive workplace and financial rights, the customs of marriage and monogamy became less relevant to capital and more likely to be received as a personal and moral matter. And a little while later, they go on to write, Think of polyamorous partners negotiating the terms of an open relationship. Two or more free and equal agents making a rational decision based on their own desires, openly shared with each other. Is this radical, or are these polyamorous lovers something more like niche market consumers, with so specific proclivities and an almost solipsistic sense of independence? Now, it's my contention that this consumerist approach to dating and love is not actually at all exclusive to polyamory. I mean, the consumerist relationship model makes the people that you're dating disposable, easy to change, and for the next best thing. Consider the fact, of course, that when we say monogamy in this day and age, I mean, we're at best talking, I mean, not at best, that makes it sound like it's a value judgment. I guess I would say at most talking about, you know, serial monogamy with the divorce rate, what it is, and just, just how we date and fall in love in this day and age. I mean, I can count on like one finger, the number of people I know who've been in a relationship with really just one person in their lives. I mean, it's for the most part, it's even if you are quote unquote monogamous, you're not doing the mate for life monogamy that, you know, is from the Bible, you know, supposedly or whatever. Well, actually they're poly in the Bible, but I'm getting off topic. My point is, is that within monogamy as well, there is this ability to kind of, you know, change people out. And maybe in contrast to the unadulterated consumerism, (laughs) get it, unadulterated, of polyamory, in the context of monogamy, a committed relationship is more akin to like an investment. And investment terms, deciding to be exclusive with someone is like investing in an index fund. Sure, you can get out at any time with limited penalties, unlike a Roth IRA, which I guess would be marriage. But obviously, you want to choose the right fund, one that will appreciate over time. Therefore, in the context of straight, hetero, monogamous dating, the worst thing you can do is settle, i.e. make the wrong investment. Put your eggs in the wrong goddamn basket. No, time lost. Speaking of eggs, yours are withering, which is why I feel like, especially among straight ladies, the fear of settling is pervasive. Look, I consume a lot of dating media, podcasts, reality shows, articles, a lot of it created by and for straight women. And I find that we are just freaked the fuck out about settling. I will not settle is like a common rallying cry on the women's side of the straight dating battlefield. One woman calls it out and the rest of us scream our response, you will not. And we just kind of link arms and you, you late and you late is a really hard word too to say, I find, but not as hard as eulilating, actually. Do you know, it requires a lot of tongue wagging. Um, anyways, so for example, there's this podcast I listen to, it's called 51 First Dates, and it's awesome. If you're actively dating right now, actually drop everything, stop listening to me, go listen to the first 20 episodes of this podcast, which is when, um, they were doing this experiment where one of the hosts went on a date a week 
And she eventually met someone. And so they started having other people take her place. And one of these people is a gal named Carlin, who seems really cool. And she's been the dater for a while. And recently they did an episode that was called, What If I'm Alone Forever? Now, Carlin is a staunch, no subtle, no how kind of person. She said multiple times that she'd prefer to be alone than to settle, which for the record, I agree with. I mean, A, because it's great to be alone. It's great to be single. It's the right choice for a lot of people. The Fran Lebowitzes of the world, if you will. And obviously, you shouldn't ever commit to someone who isn't right for you. I think that goes without saying. The thing is, if you really do want to be with someone, like if that's how you look into your future and that's how you want it to look with somebody by your side, well, I think you have to be careful with this no settling rhetoric. We have to remember that kind of deciding to stay on the apps and date and date and swipe and swipe is in itself a choice. It's the choice to never choose. I'm going to go ahead and say that if you've been on the apps for like 10 years, then you've swiped left on some true gems because there's no specific person, you know, that's going to be perfect for you. But there's a ton of people who would make good partners if we weren't living in this constant state of FOMO, wondering if there isn't someone out there who has the exact specs we're looking for, you know, like we're shopping for a TV or something. And I mean, I get what Carlin is saying. As women, we've worked so hard just to feel worthy. The act of knowing our worth feels like an act of rebellion. But again, that common statement, I know my worth, it has these capitalist undertones. I'm sorry, but it it does. What do you mean? Your worth. What does that really mean? Look, you are not your mother's mother's father trying to fetch the best dowry for yourself from the highest bidder. You are a lovely, imperfect person who deserves to be with another cool, imperfect person, you know, as long as they make you happy. And I guess I would just say, maybe we should take a step back and think for a second about what it means to settle for another member of the human race. It's a very fucked up sentiment, really. I mean, this is another person who deserves love as much as you do. If you don't like someone, move on. I mean, that's a given. I think where we get ourselves into a little bit of a consumerist tailspin is when we do like someone, but we think we can do better. It's kind of like that Master of None episode with the um, yet to be canceled, Aziz Ansari. You know, he decides he wants tacos, but he can't decide which are the best tacos in New York City, a town with a few taco stands. So, of course, he ends up spending all day on Yelp reading reviews of taquerias until it's, you know, too late. Everything's closed. There's no tacos at all. And all the while, the ones on the corner were probably great tacos. Tacos you could really fall for. Tacos that could teach you something. They might not be the last tacos you ever want or need for the rest of your life, but they really are delicious. So, yeah. I guess my point is, go get some tacos, maybe with another cool human. And, you know, don't put too much pressure on it. Okay, so thanks for listening to my Ramble Fest. I look forward to hearing what you all think. 
Do you know someone who has settled for someone else? Of course you do. We all do. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Like all of these things, it is a real a real problem, you know, like all of these maxims. Don't do this. It's because you shouldn't do it. And you shouldn't settle. But I think like anything that as a concept is absolutely true, we always have to look at how it plays out in praxis, you know, kind of like the article that I mentioned at the top, they're saying polyamory ain't praxis. I don't think it's about polyamory in as such. I think it's about how is it getting implemented? Anyways, how is it being lived? Is it really doing us a favor? Is it really fulfilling the promises that it's made? Anyways, I would say it's the same with the whole don't settle thing. So yeah, well, now you all know what a fucking commie I am, if you didn't already. Uh, Yeah, I prefer bourgeois anarchist actually. But anyways, we'll be back next week. Both of us, Mariah and I, with number 20 stories. A new decade, people. And it starts off with a bang. I mean, how else would it start out? <laughs> okay, love you, mean it. Bye. Baby, if you want me, come and get me. I swear, I'll make it easy. On my eyes is what you are. Thanks for listening to What's Your Number. This episode was produced by Olivia and Mariah. Music is by No Fancy. You can learn more about us and check out our blog at whatsyournumberpod.com. We are on Instagram at whatsyournumberpod and on Twitter at therewasthesguy. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, leave us a review wherever podcasts are found and subscribe to hear about more sex debates. Baby, if you want me, come and get me. I swear.